Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's episode, we're going to be joined by some special guests. We're going to be joined by a newcomer. We're going to be joined by Robert Trejo. He's the host of a Bucking Spurs podcast. He's our our guest for today's show. He's going to be joining us. This is his first appearance here. So welcome, Robert. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Joe. It's good to be on the on the best Spurs podcast where has the best Spurs music. <laughs> the, your intro music is pretty lit. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm, a, I'm the best. I think uh, there's somebody else that I'm going to introduce right now that probably is the best because they have the accolades to go along with it. So without further ado, let us introduce our next guest, Paul Garcia, one of the hosts of the Spurs cast for Project Spurs. So, Paul, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. You know, really, uh, you know, I've, 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 it's always fun for me to be a guest on a podcast because I'm still used to being the host. And, you know, when you're the host, you have to ask the questions. And I, I actually like 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 just answering questions. This is going to be really fun. Yeah, exactly, man. And I, I it's kind of a, a turn for me when I'm, I'm a guest on other podcasts because of the same reason. You know, I'm so used to hosting that when you come out and you can just relax and, and talk, I'm like, wow, this is going to be super fun. You know, so you, you don't have to do all the work. So that's me. I'll do the heavy lift, heavy lifting for today's show. So <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about uh, this game that just occurred between, you know, Team USA and Japan. It was a 98 to 45 route. This was ugly. I believe you said, Paul, uh, before we came on that the U.S. has was beating uh, Japan by 60 points at one juncture. We don't know if that's the most in FIBA play. I would assume not. Because uh, of the the dream team, Team USA, because they laid waste to a lot of teams back in their day. But needless to say, this was a, a game that was not quite the same as the Turkey game, you know, that had the Team USA going to overtime. So what was your take on this whole thing? Uh, um, you know, for, for me, when I watch these games, I've been watching, I've been trying, you know, they come out so early, they come out at 730 and I do have have a day job. So so I watch them when I, when I get back from work. Um and specifically, I'm watching um, uh, uh, Team USA just because of Coach Paul specifically, and also Derek White. So normally, when it's like a competitive game, like how how the Turkey game was, how the Czech the, the Czech Republic game was, I, I specifically focus on Derek White. You know, I'm keeping track of the stats, and I'm I'm observing what he's what he's doing on offense and defense. Well, t- well, today I got home, I start watching this game, and these guys are up 13-0 to start the game, like two minutes in. Then all of a sudden, the first quarter is over. They're up 23-9. You know, as Derek checked in, he he had a few um you know a few few plays here and there on each end. And then as, as it just got worse, like every time he'd come back in, they'd be up by 30, then 40, then 60. I'm like, you know, at this point, it's just a blowout. And, you know, Derek's having a pretty good game. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not really watching any, any more for his development. It's more like as long as they, they got away from that game, uh, making sure that guys got reduced minutes. And as long as everyone was healthy, uh, I think that was a takeaway for me was that it was just finally their easy win. They really haven't had an easy win team USA. We're used to that with them. And, and this is finally their one game where they look like a juggernaut that they should be. Yeah, you know, one of the things, too, because one of my friends, he lives in Japan, uh, Taro Katani, he's a big Spurs fan. He comes into the city, you know, at least once or twice a year. Uh, He's coming in uh, to San Antonio, I believe, uh, at the end of October. And he was following a player that's from Japan called uh, Ri Hashimara. He's a big fan of this guy. I know this. Yeah, and I know that the Spurs had also also tried him out at one time uh, prior to the draft. And he was saying, like, you know, his stats weren't something that you would would scream at. But, I mean, they're excited for the player because he's going to be one of these guys that's coming into the NBA. He had 24 minutes. And let me see if I'm looking correctly at his stat line here. I want to see how many points he had. I don't see that right off the back. But 
I know he did have 24 minutes of play and didn't translate to too many points. You know, I think for the plus minus, he was minus like 48 or something, something horrific, you know. So he didn't have a big impact on the game, even though he was out there. But needless to say, he's one of these players who has ties to the San Antonio Spurs because he did try out for them. And my friend Taro is a big Spurs fan. So shout out to you, Taro. I know he's going to listen to this and he's going to be laughing. So we'll we'll talk more about Hashimara when, when Taro's here. But it's one of those stats I'd like to throw out and, you know, just, just let people know who this guy is. Keep an eye on him. It'd be interesting to see what he develops into. But, you know, some of the other players that we had out there, uh, they always catch, you know, Spurs players or Spurs fans' eyes. One of them being Derek White. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question, Robert, since I already asked Paul a question. What have you thought about Derek White's play so far in in FIBA in this FIBA tournament play? Derek's playing good defense. I think that's one of the things that uh, that he's hanging his hat on and what's getting him more minutes. I mean, this game against Japan, I mean, like y'all were talking about, it was a blowout. I mean, I mean, look, it was an easy game, like you said. The USA held Japan to nine points in the first quarter and eight points in the third quarter. I mean, whenever you can hold, it doesn't matter where you're playing. Whenever you can hold a team to under into single digits in one quarter, you're you're playing hella defense. Um, yeah, Rui Hachimura was he only scored four points. He played 24 more 24 minutes. I think two of those points were a, a nasty jam on Miles Turner. Um, but you know, going back to Derek, I think it's it's beautiful to see him uh, grow. This game's a lot tougher. This game is a much more physical than the NBA. You know, there's a lot of hand checking and a lot of no calls where you drive to the rim, things like that. And I think uh, he's getting tougher. He's getting stronger. He's getting smarter. He's seeing a lot of zone looks, I think, in the FIBA game uh, where, you know, I think that's kind of trending upwards in the NBA. We're starting to see a lot more zone defenses. So to see him right now at a kind of more physical level of play, I think it's going to translate into next season. Um, I think he's on the average. Let me see. Let me look at the stats real quick. Uh, uh, Derek White is about 15 minutes a game, which I think is on par. I mean, him and Marcus Smart, I know we were talking earlier about when these two guys are on the floor, it's a hell of a defensive tandem, and I think they're kind of the same style players on the defensive end. They're that short, stocky, real strong. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but Derek White looks pretty thick. Derek White looks like he's putting on some size, not just in his upper body, but in his lower body. And um, you know, he's at five points a game. That's fine. Um, he, he's averaging about three assists a game, which is perfect. Um, he's learning. I think at the end of the day, from this experience, that's all we want him to do is to learn, get better and take it into next season. Yeah. I think that's the consensus here. You know, that we all see the other players that are on there. You know, we've seen Donovan Mitchell, Joe Harris, Harrison Barnes. You have Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, of course, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Mason Plumley. Oh man. I don't know about Mason Plumley. <laughs> you know, he, he goes out there and he tries, but doesn't get a lot of minutes sometimes. And he kind of looks a little clumsy, but either way, you know, he's still part of Team USA. So I'm going to root for him. Brooke Lopez, he's the center, you know, and uh, that's somebody that everybody looks at as well. They were chanting for him. I remember one of the games, they wanted him to come out and play. So Coach Pop kind of threw him in there and gave the fans what they wanted. Oh, yeah. So that was quite <laughs> I guess humorous. Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny, you know. So it's all in good fun, you know. I, I like I like the players that have been chosen to represent Team USA. So I'm going to root for them all and, of course, sort of the team as well. But let me ask you something, Paul. I know that we have some eyes on some other Spurs players that have been in, in FIBA play right now. 
So let's go ahead and talk about them specifically. Let's talk about Shizemi Metu and what he's been doing. How does he look? Yeah, Shemezi's interesting, and he and I've actually been gone back and and um, out of the the four players participating from the Spurs, I mean three players should I say? Or is it four? I don't know. It's Derek White, it's uh, Chemezi Metu, Patty Mills, and Marco Bellinelli. So yeah, four guys. Out of the four players that are playing, I'm really focused on Chemezi more than the other three, and the reason why is because we really haven't seen his development uh, over the summer. You know, we don't get to see his videos of him working out, uh, and then also he he missed the entire summer league, both the Utah and Las Vegas summer leagues, because he was hurt. Um, so, so really, we haven't seen a lot of progression from him. Even last year with him with the Spurs, he, he rarely got any kind of playing time. If, if he did play, it was kind of garbage minutes. Uh, you know, most of his play was in Austin, and I don't really pay attention too much to the Austin Spurs these days. So, so I was really interested to see, you know, what does he look like in a competitive system? Um, you know, in a difference in a, in a where he may be coming off the the, the the role. I mean, coming off the bench is his role, should I say? Um, so that's kind of where he's at with Nigeria right now. They're they're, uh, they're one and two. They finished in group play, uh, and you know, I've been a little impressed with him. I like that the first two games, you know, even though Nigeria lost, they were very competitive games and the coach was still keeping him out there. And so I was, it was good to see him, um, you know, check, see what he does on both ends of the floor while he's, while he's out there. You know, he's a young guy. He turns the ball over a lot. Um, his decision-making is really slow in terms of, um, you know, he has the athleticism to beat mostly any defender that's guarding him from those, those opposing two teams. But, but they're just like, you know, the IQ is more there for them. And they, they right away just strip, strip the ball from him because he has too, too low in the post or he travels trying to go by somebody. But then the thing that's been, that's been opening up for him here at the FIBA World Cup is his three-point shot. Um, I put up a video where he made like, like three threes in a row yesterday uh, against um, in, in, a, in a pretty easy win for them against Korea. That was been their only uh, win, Nigeria. So, uh, you know, that three-point shot looks really fluid for him. And that's something that I – the reason why I put that on Twitter is because that's something I feel like he can he can adapt to the NBA game. There, there's some some other videos like where he's getting some dunks or he's uh he's like getting these like crazy left-handed post hooks. But you know you know that if he gets put in the NBA game, pops like I want to take those shots. Those are bad shots. Uh, only Lamarcus takes those shots as far as the Spurs go in the post and Rudy Gay. So um, you know I'm kind of watching what actually translates to the NBA game. And sure enough, yeah, that play in open court, um, those, those that three-point shot when he's taking it, uh, is looking really good. You know defensively, he, he's late a lot on help defense, but. At times, he definitely deters opponents from going to the rim, and, and he had, he's he's been getting over a block a game uh, in this tournament. So so I've just been really interested to see how he's developed. You know, based on what I've seen through three games, I don't think he's going to earn any kind of role in it with the Spurs this coming season. I think he's definitely like the last big man to get any kind of minutes. I think he spends most of the year again in Austin, and of course they have some some decisions to make with him next summer because he he is on a non guaranteed contract uh, after this coming season. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'd like to point out, I've seen Shizemi in person. You know, I've been really close to him. I've I've been in the hallway when he's walking through with some of the other Spurs players. I've seen him work out really, you know, close, up close and stuff when they're out there on the on the court warming up. I, I've been within feet of this guy watching them, you know, him and the other Spurs players warm up. And one of the things that really stood out at me with Shizemi is how tall he is and how lengthy he is. He has a lot of length to him and he has a lot of spring to his step. He has a lot of hops, you know, he's very athletic. And he's a six, he's six foot 10, but he can play more like he's a seven footer because of the length that he has. Uh, he's a power forward. You know, he's out of USC. Um, his college was USC. He was a USC Trojan. Uh, so he has, you know, he came from a good basketball program uh, and he has a good, lot of good fundamentals, things that, you know, the Spurs saw in him and, and they know that they can develop that into something, you know? So I really, really like this player. I really want to see him develop a little bit more this season. I know he's going to play heavy minutes with the, you know, the Austin Spurs, but I see a lot of pot potential in him, you know, and now that he's developing kind of a three point game, um, 
that's just something else that you like, you know, to see out of him. Um, you know, and you, you think that that's something that will translate into a real game situation. Cause I know some of the highlights that you posted, Paul showed him, uh, like you said, shooting a three pointer. Do you think this is something that he's developed, you know, extensively in the off season? And this is something that we're going to see in the, in the regular season in a real game. I mean, that's the hope of me because, again, like we didn't see him in the summertime, so we couldn't tell, like, at Vegas if, if that was something he's been working on. Uh, you know, I knew that last year he didn't really get the attempts, but he was able, you know, he came in out of college. He was able to, like, kind of decently shoot. You know, it was very consistent. He at least had that formation of his jump shot. And, again, this is a very small sample size. It's only three games. But the fact that he's – that's actually, like, his shot right now. He's actually st- uh, popping out to the three-point line. You know, when he gets really confident, he's actually asking for the ball. He's, like, waiting for his teammates to throw it to him. And something to keep in mind is that, um, you know, the people line is at the 22-foot mark, which is, like, about the NBA corner three equivalency. So it is a shorter three where he's shooting from right now. But, I mean, hey, if he's going to be stepping out to the to the corner threes in the NBA, then that, that's good that he already has that range. So, again, it, it's a small sample size. And just because of the fact that I don't know where he's at in his progression, you know, was that three-point shot there all along, or is this something he's developing and getting more um, confident taking? Uh, I, think, I think that's just something that's, again, it's, it's really interesting to me. Yeah, so let's go ahead and ask you, Robert. I know that you've you've seen, you know, Shazemi Matu last season. You've probably seen some of the highlights as well from his time with the Austin Spurs. And you've seen some of the highlights from FIBA play. What have you thought of his progression so far? Well, I mean, like y'all guys said a little while ago, we really haven't seen this guy. Uh, I think missing out on Summer League was was huge. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, like epic for this guy. It's, it's, it's a it's a huge loss because who stepped into that role in summer league? I mean, it was it was Drew. Drew Ebanks is the one that kind of showed out, said, "Hey, you know what? I'm the big that can play at this level." You know, just as good as Lonnie Walker was better than everyone else, Drew Ebanks was better than everybody else on that floor. And Chemezi missed out. I think that was a golden opportunity, but he has a good one here in front of him here in the in the FIBA games. And like Paul was saying, he's shooting. I mean, he's shooting great. I mean, from his two point percentage is forty six point seven. Like y'all are saying, he's he's killing it from the three point line right now at fifty. He's over fifty five percent at fifty seven. Um, you know, not that many shots, but they're going in the ones that he is taking. Um, I was really high on Chimezi. actually today. I was on Twitter. I was kind of going at going at it with <laughs> with uh, with another fellow Spurs fan about uh Chimezi. and I just don't see him getting that many minutes on the at the at least at the four position. I, I I'd rather play Luca. I'm sorry. Like I'd rather play Luca than Chemezi right now, and I know Chemezi's been in the year, been in the uh, on the team for a year longer, right? And he's had developed time in Austin, and he's getting better. He's getting better. I I like his jump shot. It's pretty wet. I mean, you can look at his highlights on YouTube in Austin. He had a couple twenty point games, you know. Uh, so he's he's got the goods, but where are the minutes for him right now? Is it at the four spot or is it at the five spot? And I think the only realistic option for us right now is to slide him down to the five in a small ball five role that can stretch the floor because i really think he's he's a good player he's a spurs player yeah. he can pass dribble shoot he's fundamentally sound on all areas of the game on defense yeah he needs to get a little bit better that's going to come with with time and reps but where is where is he going to get those reps who's he going to get reps over trey lyles is he going to play over trey lyles i'm not sure if, if, if that's an option so i do see him playing in austin a lot um, he's someone that I do want to see eventually come into the fold, but as as the roster stands right now, for the next two years, and we all know we have this two-year window in front of us, I don't see Chemezi cracking this. I'd rather see Drew Ebanks play at the five behind Jakob. So it's a big question mark for me. Yeah, I liked a lot of the things you were saying, you know, uh, Robert, about uh, Shizem and Metu. I'm in agreement with you. 
on the majority of these things as well. So we're going to go ahead and segue and talk a little bit more about uh, another thing that, that occurred during FIBA play, specifically between uh, the U.S. and Japan. Uh, an interesting lineup that was out there on the court. Very small, but it kind of gives you something to, I don't know, maybe take a closer look at. I believe we had, was it Marcus Smart? And we had Derek White on the court at the same time. A small tandem, but a tandem that was very effective. You know, they, they played really good defense out there. They had a good chemistry going. They were really fast, you know. Um, is this something, Paul, that we should keep a close eye on? Because could this be what we should expect to see from both DeJounte and Derek White when they're on the court at the same time, uh, you know, this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I think that you definitely want to look at Marcus Smornick to, to Derek White as sort of like a preview of what the Derek DeJounte uh, backcourt could look like. And that's kind of why, um, you know, the Spurs shouldn't be as bad defensively next year because, I mean, you're going to have two top, uh, really good defenders out there on the perimeter to check any kind of two-player uh, two combination, you know, bringing the ball up the floor. And so you see how how how, how having two high high IQ defenders like like Marcus and like Derek on the same floor, they're easily able to, to call switches out to, to make sure that, that somebody's ready in, in case of like somebody setting a screen. They just have a you know that really high IQ on the defensive end, and and, and you know that's that's what that's where Derek White is, is known for. And then of course with, with Marcus as well. And then of course you're you're going to apply that to Dejounte too, who's a really good smart defender who has that length and athleticism. As well, and we saw Dejounte make that second team All Defensive team. Uh, Derek White was one of the few Spurs who actually got some votes for the All Defensive team last year, if I recall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a preview of what a lot of Spurs fans should look forward to is is definitely getting out of that 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 bottom ten defensive sustain and maybe getting back into the top ten or at least right right near it uh, as far as a defensive team for the Spurs. Yeah, you know, that's another question that I'm going to ask you right now, uh, Robert. What's your take on this market smart and uh, Derek White tandem out there? This dynamic duo. Uh, what what are you what are you perceiving that this is going to be a, kind of like maybe a Derek White and a Dejounte preview? I mean, how did you feel when you saw this out there on the court? Well, when it comes to FIBA, I think those are our two best perimeter defenders. I mean, nothing against Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's been getting better. Uh, but I think when you want to put the two best defensive uh, guards out on the floor, you want to put those two guys. It's just a tough game. You know, you got to be low center of gravity in, in the FIBA World Cup. You got to be able to take the bumps. You got to be able to um, to keep your balance and things like that while having a smart head and uh, play make and take care of the ball on offense and all that stuff. But on defense, it's 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 tough. You know, and I think those two guys do that uh, very well. You know, they're both two very good guards that are able to do that at this level. And, um, actually Derek's probably bigger, you know, than most guards in the FIBA world cup. If you look around in the tournament, a lot of these guards that are really, really good. Don't get me wrong. People I've never heard of, right. That are playing in all these other teams, but they got skills. You know, these guys, these guys are quick. They're fast. Um, they're, they're savvy. They're smart. They make the right play all the time. They drop dimes, they penetrate down the lane, whatever, but they're not as big and not as strong as, as, as our guys. Now, when it comes to DeJounte and Derek, I think, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, and yeah, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a little bit biased, but best backcourt, defensive backcourt in the league next year. I don't think I'm going to see a better defensive backcourt out there. I like Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. That's, that's a big question mark also. But when it comes to two tough point guards that are going to try to make the all-defensive team, uh, sorry, all-NBA defense, and you have them on the same squad 
that's why there was a question, you know, early on in the in the once the season ended, it was like, okay, now we're gonna get Dejounte back. You know, do we bring Derek off the bench? You know, does he play that Manu Ginobili role? This and that. You know, and I I'm just sitting here like we can't. There's no way. There's no way. Pop's gonna play both of these guys together. Why? Because we all know what comes first in San Antonio, and that's defense. And when you put those two guys out there, oh my goodness, that's gonna be really hard for the other team to score the ball to try to get in the lane. And uh, you know our our team defense is always uh, a work in progress. Last year was it was pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie, um, but this year bringing back Dejounte Murray into the fold, adding Derek in there uh, with those two guys together is something we haven't seen. Uh, but I hope it's something we see for a very long time because they they can both lock up on the defensive end. Yeah, to me the intriguing part of this whole thing with seeing Dejounte and uh, Derek White uh, being a, a dynamic duo out there on the court at the same time is from an offensive standpoint, what kind of havoc can they wreak, wreak on, on the opposing defensive uh, schemes that teams are throwing at them? Because you have two players who are athletic, can shoot the ball. We know Derek has a, a perimeter jump shot, and he can create his own shot as well, and he has the handles. You know, he can he can dribble the ball. Same thing goes with, with DeJounte. You know, DeJounte might not be as bulky as Derek, but DeJounte has more length, and he has a little bit more athleticism, and speed. So I, you kind of like the balance between these two, you know, out there. So that's to me, that's the, the interesting part in theory. I don't know how it's really going to work in a, in a real game situation out there in the forthcoming season, you know, the upcoming season that we have, but it's not, it's something that's very intriguing, something to keep an eye on. I know Paul, you've, you've mentioned the same thing before. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like, 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 uh, uh, Robert said, you know, uh, for for me, you know, I, I can't guarantee that they'll, that they'll play together all the time. Just because, again, I got to see it. So I think Pop definitely going to try the first twenty games, and as long as they're not suffering too much on offense, um, then I think that yeah, that's going to end up being your backward for the Spurs, and, and that's a really good backward defensively. You know, I just I was trying to think of you know who who are the other two best defenders out there on the court at the one and two, and, and, and when you just talk about defensively, it's really tough to think of uh, of another duo on another team. So so yeah, I'm really intrigued by by those two guys and, and what they're going to do in those first twenty games and pop those out together. Yeah, you know, let's go ahead and talk about another Spurs player who's kind of underrated, been flying under the radar, I think, in most circles. But we as Spurs fans that have been uh, following his game for, I guess, you know, for, for a couple seasons here, we know what he can bring uh, to the team. And we know that we we do need him out there because he makes us better. And that's none other than Rudy Gay. I saw something that you put out earlier today, Paul, on your, uh, on your Twitter. It came out on your Twitter handle. And you, what is your Twitter handle so people can go ahead and follow you? It's at Paul Garcia NBA. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I saw it on, on his Twitter feed. You know, go ahead and follow Paul. He gives a lot of good basketball knowledge, a lot of in-depth analysis, and uh, also a lot of stats, which I, I'm a stat guy. I love the stats, the number crunching. But I saw the things that you put out about uh, Rudy Gay. We are getting him near the the ending, you know, part of his career. But he still has game left in him, you know, and I like everything that he brings uh, to the team. He brings that veteran leadership and he's great coming off the bench, you know, when we need some type of production. Because let's face it, you know, sometimes the Spurs offense got a little stagnant, especially on the road. And we needed players like Rudy Gay healthy coming off the bench to kind of try to ignite everybody. And the absence of Manu Ginobili, because Manu Ginobili in the, you know, in the years past was kind of the energizer bunny coming off the bench, he would ignite that team with that energy and get them going and they would make runs. And, you know, you like to see some 
resemblance of that, even though Rudy Gay is not the same type of player as Manu Ginobili will ever be, but you like some of the things that he brings to the game in that regard, specifically his, you know, veteran leadership. He has a lot of, uh, let's say, good, good qualities to him, especially out there in crunch time where, you know, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. So moving forward into this season and to this upcoming season, Paul, what are your expectations of Rudy Gay? Do you think he's going to be better, you know, given that he might play less minutes, but he's going to have more of a, a role now that we're getting DeJounte back. So what are your expectations of him? I'm really intrigued to see, uh, you know, I, I think his efficiency is definitely going to stay pretty high. You know, he has a really good efficiency level from, from all three areas of the court for the Spurs. Uh, you know, mathematically, he's actually the only guy who should be taking mid-range jumpers. He has like one of the, like the, the, the best uh, mid-range percentages on the team where he's at least getting over a point per shot. Whereas LaMarcus and DeRozan, I know that's a shot, but that's definitely not uh, mathematically doesn't work for them. But anyway, uh, I'm really intrigued to see where, where he's going to play this year. Cause you know, there's all sorts of different lineups being floated right now. He could either come off the bench like last year, like he did the majority of the year, or he could just start at the four right next to LaMarcus at the five. And, and there's just a lot of different versatile ways that the Spurs can use him this season. You know, it, it's year three for him now with San Antonio. So I think he's definitely going to be a lot more comfortable. He's going to know his role. And, and again, he's just that guy that, you know, he's, 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 he's one of the guys who's not shy to take the three point shot. If it's wide open for him. Uh, so he spreads the floor. You know, if, if he gets a mismatch at the post, he can he can take the guy in there, post him up. He can get to the free throw line. He just has the the overall package, you know. And then another year under Pop's system defensively, uh, he'll be able to, you know, know his role, know where to be, know where to help out, where to rotate. And, and that's just going to be a, a, another benefit for him being in, in year three of the Spurs. How do you think his heel's going to do this season? I know that that's kind of been like one of the things that we have to keep an eye on. You know, he keeps getting this injury. It's a recurring injury, you know, for the last – I guess two seasons, he keeps hurting that heel, you know, and then he has to miss a, a number of games to come back from that injury because it's quite painful. Then he comes back again, re-injures the heel, misses some more games, comes in again. Um, but regardless of where his where he is health-wise, he always seems to be around for the playoffs, especially when we need him the most. Do you think that heel is something that we're going to have to keep a close eye on again uh, coming up this season? Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be helpful to have a, Damari Carroll now on the team, who, who can also play the four. Then you still have Trey Lyles. So so they have a lot of options to give Rudy some rest nights if they need to. You know that Pop's very conservative with his minutes in terms of, uh, you, you know, keeping him back if, if there's any kind of sign that, that he might be out. So, you know, he may miss a few games if that bothers him again. But, again, I, I think that uh, the wear and tear shouldn't be as bad this year because the minutes will be a lot more reduced. The, the amount of games he can miss, it's going to be okay because they have a lot more depth there at the four right now. And, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, not only do they have uh, Damari Carroll and Trey Lyles there, they got they got Lucas Simonic, and then they can also play Chimezi Metz if they need to. So they have like four different options as, as backups for Rudy Gay in case uh, he needs rest time. Yeah, so let's go ahead and ask you, Robert. Expectations of Rudy, you know, moving forward into the upcoming season after you've already seen what he's done in the, in, you know, prior season and what he was able to do in the playoffs for the San Antonio Spurs and kind of keep us afloat when we needed some offensive production. So now that we're getting DeJounte back, like I just uh, stated to Paul, what are your expectations of Rudy moving forward? Well, I think, uh, you know, coming off a, a pretty nice payday this summer, Rudy Gaze should be a little uh, more comfortable in his role. I don't think we're gonna, his role's going to change that much. Uh, I don't think we're going to ask any more of Rudy Gay. I don't think there's any more to ask of Rudy Gay. I think last last season, I mean, he played 69 games. You know, he started 51 of those. Uh, so he, uh, durability-wise, I think he, he held up pretty good. You know, the year before, 57. I think 
this past season he had uh, a career year in, in a couple categories and you know he's just that Swiss Army knife like like Paul was saying like we can we can have him come off the bench and 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 slide into the four and a small ball four or if we want to go big and you you want to play Jakob and LA together and you know we we can slide him in at the three um so I think as a Swiss Army knife he's he's one of our one of our best weapons coming off the bench and and yeah his his I think against Denver you know in the playoffs I think it showed I think it showed that we needed Rudy Gay um I think he played more in those games than he probably did all season uh but that was it was his veteran leadership that why he was out there, his playmaking, he was buckets, he was knocking down big shot after big shot, and he was someone that we can rely on. And I think come playoff time, that's that's going to be the case. Now, regular season wise, I think you're we're smart to limit his minutes, uh, a lot of DNPs, um, rest, you know, whatever whatever it's going to be. I think we try to preserve him for the playoff run. Let Trey Trey Lyles play, you know, let Derek, uh, sorry not Derek, Damari Carroll get some of those minutes and maybe even see Luca at some of the spots or Chemezi. Um, but you know, he's, he's going to be crucial when it comes, come, uh, come April. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you a question, uh, Paul, because this is something I've really been wanting to ask you for quite some time now. We haven't even really seen Luca play one single game as a spur. We know he's going to play heavy minutes in the G league, you know, over with the Austin Spurs. But is he one of these players that kind of stood out at you in, in summer league play? And you look at him and you see what he's able to do. Seeing how he's able to go coast to coast, you know, dribble the ball up and down the court. He has some hops. He has the athleticism. Do you think he has all the attributes to really be able to contribute to the team as a rookie? You know, same same thing goes for like Keldon Johnson. What do you think about these two guys? Because they're the ones that really stood out at me uh, when I was watching the summer league play. What, did, what were your takes on them uh you know with, with luca had had trey lyles not been signed i would have actually said yes like he he actually has a chance to get you know so, some backup three i mean uh you know be the third uh big guy at the, at the four should i say behind rudy and demari but but once trey lyles got got signed i figured oh that's you know that his chance is probably just going to be you know end up being in the g league like you just mentioned so unless somebody gets hurt or unless trey, trey lyles plays terrible I don't see Luca getting any kind of um, you know serious minutes this year. I, I don't have high expectations for him just because I wasn't as impressed at summer league. I just felt like down the road he's in a, he can be pretty good, pretty one day. But not right now. I just don't think that it's going to take. He's going to have to go through that summer, you know, that that rookie grind that, that Dejounte went through, that Derek White went through, that Brent Forbes, all these guys have gone through. Uh, I think that the guy who who could though is Keldon. You know, he's he's the guy where you know. He had some impressive games and some not so impressive games in summer league. But just his, we talked about Derek White and Dejounte earlier. I mean, uh, Kelton Johnson's defensive ability as well. He can really, um, you know, get him, give him a chance uh, because he's a better defender than Bridge Forbes and uh, than Marco Bellinelli and Patty Mills. Some of these guys that are in front of him. But but again, I I do I, I still think both of those guys, Kelton, because of all the depth. I mean, they're they're already stacked. This team of 15 players uh, on guaranteed contracts. I just don't see either guy getting any serious minutes unless somebody really gets hurt. Or one of these veterans really goes sideways in their in their play and their progression. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a little different, a different of a, of a question here, uh, Robert. A lot of Spurs fans here in San Antonio have their eye on Lonnie Walker the fourth. I'm going to ask you a question because I always said pump the brakes last season. I got a lot of of hate for that, and I was like, look, I I love the guy. I think he's great. You know. I like what I'm seeing out of his development and everything. It just, you know, he just needs a little bit of time, more time to develop, you know, into into a better player. 
And and, he, and I think Lonnie even said that during some of his press conferences, you know, and when he was talking, addressing the press after games and stuff, he's like, yeah, I'm developing my game. I'm working on it. Same thing that I had said that everybody was giving me hate for. So moving forward into the season, what do you think about Lonnie? How do you think he's going to be able to contribute to the team? Do you think he's going to get these heavy minutes or is he going to be one again, have a lot of time in the G League and maybe come in here? And, and get some minutes, especially when they're on the road away from San Antonio. What, what do you think is going to happen with Lonnie? Well, I think Lonnie's G League, days, G League days are done. I think that this boy is ready to go. Now, I know I'm, I'm hype on this kid because he's just so smooth. He's just so so smooth with the ball. He's got his, his jumpers wet at mid-range, three-point. He can do it all on the offensive end. That's not a question. I mean, he didn't. He averaged twenty some points a, a game in the in the summer league, and I know that's the summer league. I'm not getting hyped about that. It, it is just so smooth, and he's just so uh, his leadership qualities are there too, right? He's another one of these Spurs character guys, and it's it's going to be a question that's going to come down as uh, to the coaching staff is how much is he going? It's not if he's going to play. It's how much is he going to play? Is he going to play play fifteen minutes a game, twelve minutes a game? Um, and I think as the season goes on, that's where he's going to get his opportunity to prove if he's able to help us in the playoffs or not. Um, I think Lonnie Walker came out and said, like like you were just saying right now, is that he needed some work. But I don't think it was on the offensive end that we're that we're talking about. I think is it was a defensive end, right? And I said the same thing at the, at the beginning of last season, you know, where where uh, you know, unfortunately he went down, right? And injuries injury was was his. Uh, was his big downfall last year also. And uh, we didn't get to see what he can do, but it was on the defensive end. He came out and he said that he's he was playing hard defense, not really smart defense. He was late on his rotations off the help side. You know, he wasn't able to really stay in front of smaller guards. And we only I'm talking about a very small sample size or whatever, but even in last summer league, and last summer league you can see it. You can see that he he needed work on the defensive end. And look, that comes first in San Antonio. You are not it doesn't matter how good you are, you are not gonna play if you cannot guard, unless your name is Marco Bellinelli. He's, he's the one is exception to the rule. Um, but, you know, so to me, I knew he wasn't going to play last year. He needed work on the defensive end. He wasn't going to see no minutes. So he was one of the guys I was like, yes, send him down to the D League or to the G League. Let him do his thing. And he proved this year in the summer league that his defense has improved and his offense is now on another level. Uh, he was shooting a high percentage from mid-range and from the three. When he attacks the rim, it's like, get out of the way, like, like, Oh my God! This guy attacks the rim with some force, with some finesse, and he's gonna put a couple people on posters this year. And um, and when you talk about future, once I think two years from now, once you kind of have some of these guys off the books, like, like Patty and Marco, um, I mean, not saying that they're not gonna stay with us, but their contracts are gonna end. I think Lonnie's gonna be that guy that's gonna have to kind of carry this this scoring load. I mean, who knows what happens to Demar Derozan? Um, but let me. I mean, Lonnie Walker's ready. I I'm all hyped up on Lonnie Walker this year because this is his time. This is his year. Now, God willing, he stays healthy, but if he can stay healthy, and that's been that's been the question with him ever since college, ever since Miami, but if he can stay healthy, we have a very, very special kid on our hands. Yeah, I, I think he has a lot of potential. I just want to see what happens this coming season. You know, I'm all in for Lonnie. I love Lonnie. I like to see him out there. You got to love the hair, man. That's the one thing that I love about Lonnie. Love his hair. His he hair is fire, good. dude. He makes it look good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that he does, man. That he does. So in closing here, I'm going to ask you all one more question. We're going to go around the horn. I'm going to start with you, Paul. You know, I got to ask it, man. Spurs season is coming. 
You know, we almost have some Spurs basketball. I believe we're something in the neighborhood of like 48, 47 days away from Spurs basketball. So the number one question to you, you tell me yes or no, is it going to happen this year? We've seen what all these other teams in the NBA are doing as far as releasing these retro jerseys and even having throwback courts for, for special throwback nights. Is this the year, the season that we finally, finally as Spurs fans, get our Fiesta colored throwback jerseys? What's your thoughts, Paul? Man, I wasn't prepared for this question. I'm just checking real quick there. Uh, I'm, I'm on. I'm real quick at the PR site just to make sure they haven't changed their logos or released anything. Yeah. No, it's the same. It's the same gray, black, and white. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I think they're still good. They'll probably just do the same thing and do the military style camo type of jersey or something. So I, I don't. I, you know, for me, I don't really care too much about the jerseys. I'm more about the court. I want that old um, Alamo Dome type style court with the uh, with the paint and the green, the teal. Yeah. I want that thing so bad. And I, I, I know it's not coming this year because they would have probably announced it by now and, you know, just to get people to, to buy the tickets for that game that it wasn't happen. So I'm waiting on that day when, when we finally get the old quarterback, at least for, for a night. You know, we had a discussion. I think it was my friend Chris Duell who brought it up one time. And then my, my buddy Wesley Perkins had, had brought it up the other time we were talking about this on my podcast, the Two Shots podcast. He was saying, what it, how cool would it be if the Spurs, you know how they they go on their rodeo road trip, instead of having that that many games to play away from home, it would be amazing if they would fill the Alamo Dome at least for maybe one or two games, and have that throwback court with the throwback jerseys and and fill that sucker with like thirty five thousand people. You know, I mean that that to me would be like nostalgia. You know, reliving that all over again in in the heyday. You know, of the Alamo Dome on that. That old school court. I mean, what do you think about that, Paul? It'll probably never happen, but the possibilities, man. Can you imagine? I'd be all in for that, just because. Yeah, you're right. It's that nostalgia, you know, that that takes me back to when I was a young kid. You know, my dad taking me to Spurs games early on. Uh, just you see the blue curtain, you know, with with mm-hmm. the few of the jerseys up there. You know, that would be awesome. <laughs> and uh, the old Jumbotron. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, just for me, just to, to see that court, you can tell the players wanted too that, that style, just because a lot of their sneakers on, on certain mm-hmm. nights, the was pink and green green uh, colors on them so so that's definitely a thing that's tied to the city and you know you even see the spurs marketing team doing it by selling those hats the, the old school 90s hats uh, again every now and then so so you know what's there I, I just you know who knows when that day's gonna come when they actually put that court back out there yeah i'm gonna ask you the same thing robert you can give me your honest answer man is this gonna be the season that we finally get a throwback fiesta colored jersey what are your thoughts <sighs> nope <laughs> you're gonna be with Paul. You think we're gonna get the camels? Yeah, we're. Yeah. You know, I think I think this Fiesta stuff is 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 a San Antonio thing, and I think it's 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 an old school thing. I think I think if you grew up, you know, you grew up watching them, you know, throughout the '90s and the the mid '90s and early '90s and whatever. You you want you want that. I want that. Um, everyone else is getting their retro jerseys this year, right? But we're we're not we're we're boring. We, we I mean I, I I can admit it. We're boring. We're gonna stick to the old camo, the digital camo. Hey, we're also military city USA, and so it it makes sense. And I th- I know Fiesta is a San Antonio thing. It's very tight knit in the culture. Um, but when it gets to outside San Antonio, I don't think I don't think anyone else really really cares. So. I don't know what it is. I mean, I I would love it as a fan. I would love it. I would love to pl- uh, see these guys play in the Alamo Dome. I think that's a brilliant idea, uh, Joe. Uh, I think I thought I saw that on your on your Twitter the other day about playing some games in the Alamo Dome. That would be that would be sick. It's not like it's a far drive, a further drive away. It's only like a, what, a few miles. Um, yeah. 
So I'm all about it. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to yeah, happen. From a marketing perspective and scheduling perspective, I, I doubt that ever happens. But it would be amazing if it did. You know, we can never say never because we don't know what, what will happen. But it's one of those things that you, you got to just, yeah, maybe one day it'll happen. As for me, are we going to finally get a Fiesta colored throwback jersey? Uh, maybe an old school court? I'm in agreement with you guys. Probably not. But I don't think we're going to get the camel jerseys again. I think what the Spurs might do this year is compromise. They seem to embrace the silver and black, the traditional silver and black. They're not really fans of the, the Fiesta colored uh, themed jerseys. Okay, I get that. But I think what the compromise will be is they might throw it back to the days of George Gervin in the 80s with the iconic San Antonio draped across the, across the chest, you know, just the black and white, you know, silver and black colors. I think that's what we might get. And if we get that, that's fine. I, I'd still, I, I like that jersey. I think it's lit. You know, I, I'd, be, I'd buy it. I'd wear it. And I'd, I'd appreciate the fact that it is a throwback. It's not another camo jersey. This is kind of being a get kind of giving the fans what they want. Compromising, yes, you're not gonna get the fiesta, but we're gonna give you this. I'll take it, man. At this point, I'll take it. Cause we've been dealing with the camel the camel fiesta, or not the camel fiesta, the camel jerseys for quite some time now. And there's only so many renditions of digital camo that you can do. You know, so so, so did Tim Duncan play? How many years did Tim Duncan get to play in in those in the the Fiesta colors? One, two, or, or none at all? Yeah, because so, so about five years Tim yeah. was in the Alamo Because I was gonna say 2001. I remember they were already saying they were gonna be done building it, and it was gonna be in time for the 0203 season, which is when the Spurs made another uh, finals run. You know, I think that's probably yeah. what it was. I think it was probably like. Our, you know, our our brass saying, you know what, guys, this this silver and black thing is gonna work for us. You might need to leave the the old Fiesta colors in the past. You know, it didn't do us any good for for I don't know how many years. Uh, we won one, right, ninety nine. But I don't know. I, you know, coaches and sports, you know, they're real sticklers about tradition. And I think I think even military, even so, even even more so, Pop comes from. And I don't think he'd want to break tradition with this with the silver with the silver and black. I think they were just gonna stick with with our with our colors there. Yeah, well, that's probably what we're gonna wind up getting, you know. But I'll be happy if we get the old '80s throwbacks. I'll I'll, I'll embrace that. I'll I'll roll with that, and yes. I'll love it, you know, because it's a different it's a different jersey. <laughs> you know, it's time for it for no, a change. Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Can you imagine if they had those jerseys ready to go by the time they have the open scrimmage, and then you get twenty percent off in the fan shop at the open scrimmage? They would sell out, dude. People would be lined up to buy that jersey you know oh yeah they'd be gone quick yeah so we'll go ahead and end the show on that note yeah i want to go ahead and thank robert trejo for joining us and i really appreciate you coming on make sure you also go and follow him on twitter and i'm gonna give him a chance to plug himself and also subscribe to his podcast a bucking spurs podcast great content great guy so go ahead and let us know where people can look at all the stuff that you're spitting out for a bucking spurs podcast yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I'm probably on Instagram a little bit more, uh, Bucking Spurs Podcast, and I'm on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can probably find us there. I appreciate you bringing me on, Joe. Yeah, anytime, man. We've got to have you on more often. You know, it's always good to, you know, have everybody that has a podcast and talk Spurs to come on and we can collaborate and talk with each other and also help each other grow. You know, that at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. 
So we got some other stuff coming up. But before I go ahead and dive into that, Paul, thank you so much for coming out on the show. Like always, I love to have you on. Great stats guy, very knowledgeable about Spurs. And you know what? You have a great podcast as well. So let us know where we can go ahead and follow you and subscribe to a Spurs to the Spurs cast. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks again for having me on, guys. It's fun to, t- to have this chat. Um, you can follow us, uh, projectspurs.com, follow us on Twitter, um, uh, Facebook. Um, uh, what's the other thing? I, I don't use it, but <laughs> what's the thing called that he just said? Instagram. I don't, that's all. I'm the old person. I don't even use Instagram, man. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we're, we're, on all, we're on all the social media stuff, uh, Project Spurs. Also follow the Spurs cast. We're up there. Uh, we Right now, we're, we're taking it, you know, every other week just because it's really dead right now, the, the off season. but I am going to be doing, releasing a new episode pretty soon. Uh, going really deep into what we kind of talked about here, which is the uh, the FIBA World Cup round one, uh, and then of course as the FIBA co- t- tournament continues, uh, I'll continue going uh, some deep dives into some of those players. Uh, and then you can fo- yeah, just follow us, Project Spurs, the whole staff. Um, you know, everyone works really hard over there. So yeah, we're really, we're excited. You know, the season's coming in a, in a few more weeks, and then here it goes, another Spurs season. Yeah. So go ahead and make sure you follow these great Spurs uh, podcast. You know, Spurs Cast, and also Bucking Spurs podcast, and also my podcast, Two Shots Podcast. If you want to listen to our podcast, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app. You can find it on Himalaya. You can find it on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're out on almost every single podcast that's out there. I believe we're even out on Alexa, on the smart speakers. So all you got to do is ask for a Two Shots podcast, and it'll probably pull it up. You know, So make sure you go ahead and support your local podcasters here, and make sure you follow us. And also, you know, one thing I'm going to be doing as well is I'm going to put a call to action out there into the community. Uh, one of the things that I've seen, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of the podcasters here locally in San Antonio. So what I'm going to wind up doing is I'm going to go ahead and, you know, put a call to action. I'm going to have a meetup and I hope to do this on a monthly basis. I just want to bring all the the great podcasters, all the the raw talent that we have here in San Antonio together. And that way everybody can collab, you know, talk help each other out, share some tips, share some knowledge, and help each other grow, help the community grow, help the the podcasters here all rise up and grow together. So if you're interested in doing that, I'll show share more details. I'll probably be putting something out on Monday uh, as far as the place, the time, and where we're going to be at, of course. And I hope everybody comes out. You know, we'd like to have a, a small group out there. I mean, at least 10 people is something to start with, and maybe we can just build upon it and, and grow this thing, you know, so... It's just something to keep an eye out, you know, for. But that's about all the time we have for today's episode of the Two Shots Podcast. So for Robert Trejo and Paul Garcia, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you all for listening and tuning in once again. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace. Peace.